previously on The Avatar Returns. Hi everyone, my name's Arlo. I'm here tonight for this podcast. He got to wear his Wang Fire beard, which sounds awful, but that's what it was. I'm actually really excited because this means that I can spend way less time listening to AJ's opinions. Uh, Roku and Sosun were best buds. They were, they were pals, and it all went horribly wrong, resulting in the conflict that still rages to this day. This episode does show what a fully, properly trained Avatar can do, which is basically kick the ever-loving snot out of everyone. Yeah, so uh, Roku battles a volcano, guys. So Paul Eric just, well, actually do you. He did, he did. Oh, snap. That was that was very uh, privileged white male of you. Thank you. I do it. Aren't we all just skins filled with liquid poop bending? Hello and welcome to the Avatar Returns. I'm Paul. I'm Eric. And I'm Arlo. And each week we discuss two to four episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel series The Legend of Korra. Uh, This week we reach the midpoint of book three with the offbeat chapter 309, Nightmares and Daydreams, and then the two-part kick in the feels, chapters 310 and 311, The Day of Black Sun, part one, The Invasion, and part two, The Eclipse. Uh, Eric and I have seen both series before, but this is AJ's first trip to the world of Avatar. That means there will be spoilers, but only up to the point that we're discussing tonight. Um, before we dive into this, uh, we didn't set this up beforehand. Any banter? Anybody have anything they want to talk about? I want to start by asking, did you you just use the phrase, kick in the feels? I, yes, I did. God damn it, this show's over. This, I'm, <laughs> fuck, I'm fucking taking my clip on mic off right now and storming out of the studio. <laughs> that was the breaking point for you? Finally, after all these years, that was it. You finally did it. <laughs> after everything we've been through, that was a bridge too far. All right. Good to know. So, y'all, I have a confession to make, which is that I am not the Eric Sipple that was on this podcast at the beginning. I have gone. I have ascended to, to full yuppie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Whoa. Right. Well, well beyond the ceiling that I thought was possible. I am bougie as fuck. <laughs> I bought a new car. Oh, yes. Monday, Monday, I bought a new car. Wow. And it is not anything other than a bougie as fuck car. Interesting. What is it? I, I'm, I got an Audi. I got an Audi A4, a 2017 Audi A4. Damn. In fact, you want to know this is my confession. I want to, I need to say this somewhere publicly because I feel like anywhere else I say it, I can't give the context that I am not bragging. That this <laughs> that I Okay, so here's the here's what happened. So Saturday, I was like, well, you know, my my Prius is starting to have like slightly less like the gas mileage is going down a little bit. I feel like repairs are coming for this car. I've always been interested in Audis. Let me go take a look and drive one around. And I didn't have any specific Audi I was interested in. I was like, let me look at hatchbacks, let me look at whatever. I look at a couple and I'm not whatever. I'm not really that interested. And the dealer points me towards the A4, which is, I guess, in would be like the Camry, like Toyota Camry of the Audi family, like in terms of size. And and because I'm at one of those dealers, I'm in Swickley, which is one of those like fucking bougie as shit communities. And and I mean, it's a small dealership. It's not like a big dealership. He's just like take the take the keys. He just gives me the keys. He doesn't come out with me for the test drive. He just gives me the keys. So Aaron and I drive. And I don't even know – I don't even realize at this point that I'm driving a 2017. Like I just – it's just a car that he's told me is interesting and I'm looking at it and it looks pretty cool. 
And I kind of love it. I love it a lot. And I bring it back, and I'm like, okay, that was really amazing to drive. I think I'm interested, but I'm going to walk away and think about it for the weekend. And then Monday comes around, and I go to a different dealership and do the whole thing where you get a price from a different dealership and whatever. And I come back to the main dealership, and I, I'm, like, serious about buying it at this point. And as I am getting through it, he's like, you were the only one who drove it on Saturday. We had just gotten it in. And no one has driven it since. You're the only one who's driven this car. You are the first person to buy the 2017 A4 from this dealership. Wow. So that is exactly I am over nine thousand people. You you uh you are the living embodiment of a of an ain't it cool news commenter. I am a Donald Trump voter. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that is where I've gone. I mean I am <clears throat> I am so far past the curve that I don't know what to say. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love this car. I really <laughs> love this car, but Every time I think about the circumstances of like I am the first buyer of this model of car from this dealership, I'm like, who am I and where did I? What happened to me? Like I am, I am an obnoxious, terrible person at this point. I, I. Well, I mean, I mean, I was always was, but I've added, I've added something <laughs> to, the, to the portfolio. So, so this is the equivalent of like, Appa getting armor. Yes. Okay. I am. I have gone for the Oppa sports car model. No, it's not really a sports car. I'm. I'm in a. I'm in a sedan. But I really have. I'm like armored up. I've given Oppa some kind of like, I don't know, like two liter air vice <laughs> engine. I mean, I mean, it's not like I'm not driving a sports car. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's very nice. I mean, compared to my Prius, it's like a a power machine. But it's a gorgeous car. It really drives well. But I mean, I went from kind of yuppie to unbelievably yuppie all at once and i hope that the both of you only hate me equally at this point and don't hate me more <laughs> two thoughts i don't think the word yuppie has been used this often yeah. since the 80s yeah uh and two your use of bougie over and over just reminds me of Kristen bell imitating uh russell brand and forgetting sarah marshall bougie 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 no, see, that's not the reference I was going for. I'm going for a Kesha reference, and I want you to own that. I was making. See, I didn't hate you until... in this story up until that moment. There we go. There we go. And now, now it's all there. So Paul's already said kick in the feels, and now you made an extended Kesha reference while talking about cars, a subject I like. Honestly, like my eyes were glazed over for most of that. So uh, so um so I wanted to tell you where Yuppie came from. So Bougie was a Kesha reference, but Yuppie comes from a more honest place, which is why I'm using Yuppie now. Which is that I uh, Tuesday morning I I took a I took a picture of the car and I texted it to Mayor and I was like Mayor Smith and I was like, hey, this happened, and her response was, you motherfucking Yuppie. I think was the response that I got. <laughs> I could be wrong about the exact wording of that, but it, it was it was probably more obscene than that. It was probably significantly more obscene than that, but there were exclamation points. I mean, like not one or two, but <laughs> but in the um, in the dozens of exclamation points. Okay, here we go. I'm sorry. The actual text was, "Oh my god, you are such a fucking yuppie," and there are six exclamation points. Nice. Um, so yuppie came from from a better writer than any of us will ever be. So so yuppie gets to eat dragged back out of the 80s and slid into my dms i i know so little about cars 
or any or anything surrounding cars that I I I don't understand why does buying a new Audi make you it's a it's yuppie? a it's just like it's you know it's a luxury car. I mean, like it's a nice car. Because if you like, sent me a picture of your new Audi, I'd be like, hey, cool car, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that Mayor Mayor lives in Hollywood. She knows what the yuppie shit's going on. Like, so does it have heads up display? No, I mean it has. Uh, it, it does. It, I mean, yes. But I'm sorry, Paul. It's not called a heads-up display. It's called a virtual cockpit. Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> I, it got even worse than I was expecting. So no, I, I've I've had a car with the ours was not called a virtual cockpit. Uh, it, the heads-up display, and I fucking loved it. And then when the next model of that car came out, we got the next model of that car, and they fucking took it away. My I feel like the Prius did that too. Like I got the Prius like years ago. I mean, I've had my Prius for like eight years, and um. When I, I went in at one point and just looked at one of the newer Priuses, and it was the same thing. They got rid of like the cool, all the cool like electronic shit. Mm-hmm. This kind of brings it back. So, um, anyways, I guess that the the segue point is that I have gone full Fire Nation at this point. <laughs> I am, I am, I am now. I I am become Azula at this point, and oh, um, we should we should probably get into talking about the 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 depredations well, of the Fire Nation. You well, as Azula is uh, is my nightmare. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty close. Like I feel like we're kind of already there. Um, but Eric, if uh, you're purchasing a new Audi makes you a Trump supporter, uh, let's talk about how you want to make Avatar great again. Let's make Avatar great again. Let's yeah. get into the new episodes. <laughs> And make Avatar great again. It's very, 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 very uh, low energy episode to start us off with. But <laughs> all right, well, let's um, AJ. You still have to start us at uh, at chapter three hundred nine, nightmares and daydreams. I am all, like I know nothing of the greater like fandom surrounding Avatar, uh-huh. so I don't know any of the general consensuses. Consensuses? I don't know what the plural of consensus is, Cons- but consensi? No. Consensi, yeah, it's totally consensi, right? Um, so I don't know what people think of this episode, but I'm pretty sure I have a controversial opinion and that it's my favorite of the three episodes tonight. That's, that is probably controversial. Even watching it, I was like, I probably am enjoying this more than most people. <laughs> and what I, what I like about it so much is that so it, it tackles a very real concern uh, at the moment, which is, you know, the invasion that they've been planning against the Fire Nation is in four days. And, you know, Aang is under a lot of pressure, most of it self-imposed. And it deals with that serious topic in a really a, a, a goofy but still pretty emotionally effective way. Like it's totally a goofy episode, and you wouldn't normally expect a show to to tackle uh, an episode like this in the goofiest way possible. But I I thought it was pretty funny, and I thought it I thought it got the point across in a way that wasn't too like too serious or too heavy handed. Um, I I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, all right, Eric. Um. <laughs> so. I mean, I so I feel like my tone on these next three episodes is going to be fairly similar. I, I like a lot about them, but there's a lot of there's some some things that that worry me about all of them, and there's differences. But 
So this episode, AJ, I, I will say, I, I'm sorry, I keep calling you AJ. I want to point out to the audience that AJ is now Arlo to himself. And, 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 and I'm still struggling yeah. with this. Um, right, yeah. So if, if we're going to address this on the show, <laughs> I guess I will just say that I'm not forcing anyone to call me Arlo, which if, if you're listening at home, you don't know is my given name. Um, I, it has been years since anyone has called me. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really go by AJ anywhere except for like people have known me a really long time and on these shows so uh, I, I guess i'm finally making the leap to be like to like i i want my i want my my hashtag brand to be consistent across all platforms i and i want you to know that that my reticence i don't have any reticence to this i'm actually not worried i'm just it's been years of calling you aj and yeah. i i slip and actually and i and it actually got so I found out about this last podcast when AJ was dying. See, I'm saying AJ again. When Arlo was dying last week, and I was, I was, I was surprised because I, I, it was brought up to me in the way that, just so you know, I'm introducing myself. I introduced myself this way on the last podcast, and I'm going to do it on this one. But you don't have to change anything. But I'm calling myself Arlo on the when I introduced myself, and it was introduced so sideways that I didn't really track what was going on until we were actually recording. So, anyways, um, I owe you to call you Arlo if that's what if that's how you're introducing yourself. And so I, I I make the joke earlier, but the fact is, if I call you AJ, you should say Arlo to me. Uh, and I mean that. All right. I, I, that, I was, if that's how you want me to address you, then you should you should correct me when I say. AJ. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that. I was going to not make a big deal about it on the air, but. I, I appreciate that. This all stemmed from the fact that uh, uh, I, you know, I've been over the last several years, I've been going by Arlo a lot more often in my my day to day life, and I'm just now trying to get my like really like people who I've known a very long time. I'm trying to get them on board with the whole Arlo thing, and they're all having a difficult time with it. Um, and actually, which is making our podcasts inconsistent. <laughs> Because, because you introduced yourself on on this and on Gobbledygeek as Arlo in the in the opening. Now, I have never known you as Arlo for for the over a decade that I've known you. You've been AJ. You're I still know, showing your name on the screen in front of me. Still registers as AJ Wiley. I will forever oh. call you AJ. So during the podcast that we record, I'm like, AJ. What did you, I mean, Arlo? What did you think? Or or worse yet, half the time I'll call you AJ. Half the time I'll call you Arlo. I'm sure people at home are like. Wait, who the hell's AJ? It's you know, it's it's really fine because that's how that's how everyone who I've known for years is is responding to this. In fact, I have a a friend a friend that I've known uh, since grade school. Um, recently, uh, got a job uh, with me, and because she knows that I go by Arlo at work, and she has never called me that in her life, we have we have a jar. And every time she calls me AJ, this is her idea, not mine. I'm not forcing her to do this. But every time she calls me AJ, she drops a nickel in the jar. Yeah. I have quite a few nickels. So you have a swear jar for your own fucking name. It was her idea. It was her idea. Oh, my God. Arlo, can I ask you one question and we'll get back to podcast? We'll get back sure. To the thing. What is the J in Arlo J. Wiley? James. James. Okay. And I was never... 
not that anyone ever is with the childhood nicknames, but obviously, I mean, I was, I was always AJ. Like I was never really given a, a choice, which is okay. I, I don't, I want to stress. I don't mind being called AJ. It's just like, I go, I've been going by Arlo for so long outside of this. That, anyway, the, the tragic reason I'm called AJ and I swear to God, we're going to get back to avatar after this. Everyone at home was like, what the fuck is this nonsense? Uh, why is one of them having an identity crisis on air? Um, the reason I'm called AJ is because my grandmother, when she was uh, an infant, had a an older brother who was two or three, uh, who they called AJ, and he tragically died uh, one afternoon because my they they lived like in the the hills of Kentucky, and this was like in the 30s, and you know to to mop floors they used boiling hot water, uh. and you put two and two together, that's uh. what happened. And so that's the reason I'm called AJ. After, after an after old, a, boiled relative. Yes, after a dead two-year-old. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> All right, I need to light this back up. Now that the show has gone full justified. <laughs> so Arlo, I owe you to call you Arlo, especially after that story, but mostly because Arlo is what you want to go by, and that is what I—that is what I owe you. I'm gonna fuck it up because I have known you as AJ for like five years. That's, that's okay. So it is. There is a there's a pathway in my brain that goes to I'm going to address you, and AJ is the word that goes with that. And that is if you want to is, drop a nickel in my PayPal every time you call me AJ. <laughs> no, I don't. I, let's let's not go too far here. I owe you to call you Arlo, but I am I am not giving you a nickel. If, okay. If I thought for a second that uh, any of our listeners on either of our podcasts actually use use the show notes, I'd say we need to put a note about this in the show notes. I think that I think you need to address this on Gobble Geek, but right, it makes more sense. I have hijacked Avatar podcast to yeah. talk about it. I'm sorry, this is my fault. AJ stands for Avatar, that Avatar jerk. <laughs> Avatar <laughs> James Wiley. When I was when I was a kid, my grandfather used to tell me AJ stood for average jerk. Oh, nice. And then then when when he was off his meds, he told me it stood for American Jesus. <laughs> so so Arlo Arlo it is after that. Arlo it is, and now after we've talked about my name for half an hour on the cartoon podcast. Uh, let's, let's get okay, let's get back to Nightmares and Daydreams, an episode that I think I was talking about, feeling ambivalent about. <laughs> yes. Um so I, I'm just gonna I, I have a hard time expressing why this episode doesn't entirely work for me, except to say that there is another episode later down the line that I think address does this better. And it's not something that I think I would have reacted to that way the first time, although I knew this episode was coming up and that I felt slightly dissatisfied by it in some way. Now that I'm back to it, I think the dissatisfaction was mostly that there is another episode that fills this purpose and does it better later on. Um, which is not to say this episode is bad and has some amazingly funny bits, but it is definitely a crash course in we have not been paying attention to this problem up until this point, and here we go. In fact, I think I was taken aback. I didn't realize the for, – for as much noise as Sokka made about the invasion calendar at the beginning of the season, he seems awfully nonchalant about it in this episode. Well, and because, because they're I there. Didn't even, <laughs> right. But I didn't even – I didn't even realize the invasion was so soon until until that episode. So, so, so hold on. If we watch this, because since it had been a week, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I was I was starting like on a fresh slate. But if I had been 
watching this, like binge watching it, we go straight from from dear God, I've become a bloodbender, which is not what she said, but that was the the right. effect of that right. scene, straight to fuck it, we're here, it's fine, and and Aang has a has a ridiculous goofy freak out. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, if you watch if you watch this immediately after, um. Uh, what the hell was the name of that episode? I just keep calling it The Witch. I know it's not called that. That's what I keep calling it. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, yeah, if you watch it immediately after last week's episode, um, yeah, I mean, it is kind of jarring. I mean, the, the purpose of this, or I don't know if the in, the intent of this episode, but what it serves as is a slight palate cleanser after the the horror show that we got in that previous, uh, the the Puppet Master. That was it the horror show of the puppet master. And I mean, the next two episodes, the next two chapters are sort of a, a crushing moral defeat for our heroes. So it's nice that we get a little comedic episode here in the middle. Although even in the midst of this comedy, um, like most of his nightmares and daydreams are pretty comedic. They're pretty goofy. Um, but there's one, at least one of his nightmares that is genuinely nightmarish. Um, with the whole, is it the, is it the no is it the no pants one? It's yes, that's it. That's the one. No, it's the <laughs> it's Eyeless Toph and Sokka being smothered with rock and uh, and fucking Sozin's comet hitting like a nuclear bomb. That was all a little bit nightmarish. Yeah, that was actually pretty legitimate. I, you know, it, so maybe here's why I'm feeling ambivalent, and it's because this episode can't choose a side, which is that. On the on the core of it, it is about Aang's very deep anxiety with facing the Fire Lord, which makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad they addressed it. On the other hand, we have got an array of anime jokes yes, peppered throughout all of his dreams. His first nightmare is Aang dressed as Goku, right. basically, yep. that ends in a you're-not-wearing-pants you're joke, which is followed later by – I can't remember what the exact reference is on that one – where he didn't do the math test and he Vash, Vash the by, stampede from Trigun, I think. Yes, yes. He's vashing that one. And then he is defeated by a giant abacus and thrown into a pit. I mean these are not real fears. These are hilarious kid fears mapped onto a fear of facing a death lord who's going to kill you. Right. It's weird. But come on. We, but, we get the, but we get the line – your days of tyranny are over, Fire Lord. I will defeat you, and this time, I brought pants. <laughs> no, you are the one who is not wearing pants. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite one though, is "Baby, you're my forever girl." Yes, yeah. that was pretty amazing. Yeah. That's and for half a second, their "I love you" scene fooled me, and I... my 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 heart leapt. And then, of course. <laughs> In, 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 a, in a later episode, I was I was very satisfied with that. Um, <laughs> um so I'm I'm I guess hold, I've... Hold, on, hold on hold on see this is why I like this episode so much because it made me laugh so hard. The the Appa the going you've got to take care of yourself you can't go on like this like shit, <laughs> I laughed so much at this and Momo like looking like Usagi Yojimbo yes Momo Yojimbo yeah. I I really I those are they're all valid concerns the things that you're saying Aaron I kind of agree with them a little but I enjoyed this episode so much I mean I I am the Pollyanna of this podcast uh, because I I really tend to like all of them um, you guys are much more critical than I am which is good that's a good thing but uh, I will say that. On the next two chapters we're going to talk about, I have a ton of notes. I literally have four notes for this episode. 
um, which is not because I didn't like it. It's just because I didn't really have all that much to say about it. And uh, two of them are about the freaking Appa and Momo samurai battle. So I mean, that was... That was, that was a great scene. This, this episode, love it or hate it, we'll, we will always have the Appa and Momo samurai battle. And at, at the end, you get Toph saying, you're the man, Twinkle Toes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, right. I, I, I greatly enjoyed this episode. Wang, um, Wang Fire licensed therapist. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, we get the Wang yes. Fire beard again. Yeah. That's right. That yeah. Was, I did note that in my brain. I don't actually take notes because you all are morons, but I, I did note that in my brain. <laughs> Why? Why didn't he have like a little like the the therapist is in five cent sign? That would have been beautiful. That would have been great. Yeah. Um. And in addition to all of the silliness, I think we also have, as we have for pretty much the entire series, have a pretty strong Zuko B plot uh, right. about him. Uh, we see that he's sort of you know he has se- he seems to have taken on his princely ways. Um. You know, he's very pampered. He's got the fangirls. He's, you know, enjoying life with May. He has his servants. Uh, do you think you can find a fresh fruit tart for the lady with rose petals on top? He has them doing all of that. Um, hot towels. Hot towels. And then, you know, at the end, he's, he realizes, you know, he's like, I was the perfect prince, the son my father wanted, but I wasn't me. And that's a really, that's a really good note for them to hit, and a, a note I'm glad that they hit. The Zuko stuff was surprising, and it was actually like legitimately earnest, given an episode that had uh, Aang having dreams about looking like characters from anime. Well, what I liked about it is that it was um, the the Aang nightmares and daydreams was for the most part played for laughs because Aang is the little kid. Zuko is never played for laughs because he is so angst ridden. Um, but this was him facing his own nightmare, which just happens to be that uh, maybe winning his father's approval and earning uh, his honor back was, you know, has not brought him the peace that he expected it to. Like he's, his nightmare is realizing that he really doesn't belong in this in this world he he doesn't belong with his people anymore yeah i liked it and you're right it's the much more interesting uh plot in this episode i loved the humor i will forever love the appa momo samurai battle but the zuko stuff was like the significant thing that we got out of this yeah and i I, the, the zuko one is the one that actually sticks around like the the ang stuff has no impact on the rest of the episodes, I and mean, we can tell that in the next episode that Aang's plot has no impact on this episode. But the Zuko stuff actually does move him forward as a character, right? Yeah. And see, uh, everything that you're saying about the Aang plot is so true, but I greatly enjoyed it. it um, I mean, it's, there's it's very funny. You get you get Toph's backpounding, you get, followed by the what I'm terming porcupuncture. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's. Uh, oh, one last thought on the dreams. Um, so obviously the I'm not wearing pants. Those dreams, you know, are silly. But the more serious dream that Paul mentioned. Uh, have we have we discussed Avatar dreams? I mean, has the show gone to the well of Avatar dreams before? Like, have, have they? What I'm getting at is, are Avatar dreams in any way like prophetic, like Slayer dreams, or anything like that? 
No. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. When they go to the, they will go to the spirit realm. The spirit realm is like the Slayer dreams. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, if they if they go to the spirit realm, then there's something serious happening there. But I don't think we even really ever see Avatar Dream Life with any okay. any any like uh like recurrency going forward. I'm, I we might see a Avatar Dream, but it's just a character dream. It's the same way that dreams get used narratively otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I just couldn't remember if that was something they had established or not. I mean, if not for the Zuko B plot, this essentially what I mean it is essentially a bottle episode. Because I mean, yeah, pretty rare for the series that it it takes place again, except for the Zuko B plot. The the A plot, the Ang Gang stuff, takes place in a single location, um, which is it's a lovely location, nice cliffs. But um, by the way, I just want to point out for the second time this season. I defended a dumb comedy episode for being great, and this this may be the third time in the entire series I have strongly defended an episode no one else gives a shit about. <laughs> so that's who I am. There, there is another comedy episode coming up. This is the one that I feel like does this work better that you'll probably Uh-oh. hate. I'll love, but I, 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 I thought that was the one you were talking about, Eric. Yeah, yeah, no, that one, that one in my mind is like the most absolutely brilliant comedy episode. But I'm not going to tell you when it happens, AJ, because I, I just want it to roll over you, and I don't want you to come in with my. I don't want to do come in with my my like overstatements. But are we going to you want to roll need, over me? Yeah, yeah, are we going to need to do a, an episode about just that single chapter? Is that what you're? No, talking? no, that'll be a bad idea because if one of us hates, it's going to be the most <laughs> single chapter ever. But. The, the what I will say is um, that I did legitimately think this episode happened before Sozin's Comet and not before Day of Black Sun. I, for whatever reason in my head, I thought this fear episode was pre-Sozin's Comet. Hmm. So part of my reaction might have been like, oh, this is earlier than I thought it was. And that thus, wait, this is way more inconsequential than I thought it was. May have been part of my thought process. See, and there have been a half dozen times over the course of doing this podcast series that I've wanted to, in one way or another, reference the Appa and Momo samurai battle. <laughs> and uh, so I've been waiting for this to happen just so because every time we talk about whether Appa and or Momo understand human speech and you know what, I, I even think there was an episode uh, Arlo where you were, where you raised the question of what if they can talk or something like, I feel like the subject has come, right, yeah. come up. It, and it, it, I was thinking about this. I was like, when, when did we bring this up before? And I had to bite my tongue because I was like, Oh, just you wait, just you wait. Hmm. Anyways, I Momo's voice was weird. Like, I guess I suppose that was the voice. It's D Brantley Baker. It's the, I, the guy that's been doing the voice the whole time. I know, but I really enjoyed Appa's voice, and I wish, I wish it had been, uh, yeah, he was still alive at that point. If they just been like straight like Isaac Hayes, <laughs> that would have been like, fantastic. That would have been great. That would have been fantastic. Okay, well, now I'm trying to now I'm trying to come up with a, a Shaft joke that I can make about Appa, but yeah, nothing's coming to me. A shield bison. <laughs> Uh, all right, I guess it's to be thrown off a roof for that. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll move on. Um, all right, next episode. Which uh, oh, this, thank God. This <laughs> this is another <laughs> example of the uh, streaming version, the digital version, uh, meshed these next two chapters together into just one. But we're we'll... speaking of the streaming. Have I mentioned before that when you're watching these on Amazon Prime uh, on a desktop computer? 
like if you like move the cursor at any point um the, it does like it has an x-ray feature where it not only shows yeah. the cast in that scene but also gives you like random trivia bits uh-huh. um the trivia that it gave me for the previous episode was mark hamill did all of his own stunts in star wars episode five the empire strikes back <laughs> Uh, Which I thought was really helpful in assessing that episode of Avatar. That's amazing. Great. Except for one. Are we going to talk about about chapter one separately from chapter two? Are we going to talk, do we like we did last time? Well, well, that's what I was going to ask. I, I was about to say, we'll talk about them as two episodes. And then I remembered that we've, we've combined them in the past. So I took my notes separately. I watched them as two separate episodes and, and took notes that way, but we can just talk about it as a whole. So probably be easier. All right. So, I actually don't remember where the exact division is, so that would probably be helpful for me, too. Okay. Well, Arlo, take us into uh, the Day of the Black Sun, the invasion and the eclipse. The exact division, by the way, is when uh, Aang realizes Ozai is not home. Yep. Arlo? The the palace. Arlo? Yes, Eric? I need to tell you this. I didn't want to (laughs) know. Well, now you know. If you don't know... Now you know, Mr. President. Thank you. All right. Uh, my first thought on these episodes, the most important thought probably is, dear Jesus, fuck why the Swamp Benders came back. <laughs> Literally, the note, that I t- the note that I typed in all caps was, no, not the Swamp Benders. I feel like Michael on that episode of The Office where Toby's been gone for a while and then Michael comes in and sees Toby's desk set up and he's like, okay, right, it's funny. This is funny, you guys. And he turns around and he sees Toby and he just screams, no! That is what I was like when those stupid motherfuckers showed back up. I didn't even give them their right names in the notes. I just called them, like, like I, I did quote one line of dialogue and I just credited it to Swampy. My note was... In all caps, yay, the Swamp Benders. You mother. It was not. It was not that. What? That is my note, yeah. That was legitimately you typed that? You're not just trolling us? No, I'm not just trolling you. I I, I typed that. It's in my notes. My I... first note is the invasion fleet arrives under cover of a fog bank. My second note is yay, the Swamp Benders. Now that note is basically because I control you two with it. But I, So I messaged Paul. Because he knew I was watching this, so I messaged him again in all caps. No, not the swamp vendors. And his response was, "Ha ha 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 ha! I've been waiting for this moment for a long time." <laughs> the sociopath. I, I want to. Know, I mean, the whole episode does not need to be about uh, no, not the swamp vendors. But I do want to know if, after both of these are said and done, are your feelings any different? About the I still think they should die horribly. Okay, I guess not. Um, I will say, Hugh as Swamp Thing is pretty cool. Yes. Like, yeah. But the fact that it's Hugh it really puts a, a damper on No, the no. I disagree with you, Arlo. It's not the fact that it was Hugh. It was the fact that we needed like a 30-minute scene with the other Swamp Benders talking about how it was Hugh. Yes, yes, that was so random, and then, like, they're talking about it, and then just, like, Hugh has to pop out of Swamp Thing to be like, yup, it's me, you guys. <laughs> it takes a long time to gather seaweed. I mean, that is a really long scene to and, establish and, and, what's going on with the Swamp Thing. It's a long scene with, it, you, th- that punchline that you just gave is, like, an anti-punchline. It's not, it, there's, it's not funny at all. There's no, there's no humor there. <laughs> this, this, 
This is hilarious to this me. Is, these are, these are all of my thoughts. It's, on it's not episodes. it's not that I love the swamp benders or anything, but I I just I don't dislike them nearly as much as you guys. Well, you're wrong, and you should feel bad. I, okay, I, I um, I'm not, and I don't. But all right. Uh, but we also we also got hey another of Arlo's favorite characters from a past episode returns. So this sees a lot of characters come back. It does. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of. Um, not the before the specials that close out his run, but like the final like proper episode of Doctor Who that David Tennant did. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning, there was like a there's like a massive like reunion of like every uh, character who had played like a pivotal role in his run on the show. Like all came together to help save the world, and that's that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, were you excited that uh, Haru was back? I felt vindicated. Did you? By that? Did you really? I did. I was like, I have, I stuck, I stood up for that episode a long time ago. Did you and now feel... they're back just to show you, in particular, the two of you, how integral those characters in that episode were yeah. to the series. I, of of all the characters, of all the characters that came back, all the allies that returned from past episodes, Haru and his father Tyro did nothing. Can I ask a question? This is a, this is a sincere question, and I feel like it's going to sound like it was trolling after AJ's conversation there, but who? Who was Haru? From the Imprisoned, from episode or chapter one hundred and six, Imprisoned. That stupid boat episode. The that's who Haru was. Except that they made a big joke about how he has a mustache now. Yeah, that's who it was. That's who it was. Arlo, <laughs> stop. <laughs> God damn it, you guys. Um, but okay, no, you you asked me my thoughts on the episode. Yeah. Um, the swamp benders, besides my irrational hatred of them, well, no, it's pretty rational. They're terrible. Um, besides my hatred of them, they actually kind of, they're sort of a signifier for me, like as far as how I feel about these episodes. There's a lot in the Day of Black Sun that I love, that I, that I think is really great. And there's also a lot that feels weirdly stuffed in there. Like there's a lot that's not satisfying as well. Like it almost feels like, like they had a lot of ground to cover, and obviously it's already a two-part episode. And I just feel like the balance isn't quite there. And because of that, some of it doesn't really land. Uh, okay. That's me on this episode, Eric. I I feel what AJ or Arlo is saying, and I I'm I'm kind of in the same camp. Although I think I have me parallel thoughts on this episode, which is that. Trying to think how to put this. This is an episode bathed in frustration plotting, and that's the big problem with it. Let's forget for a second that the Dai Li come back in this episode, the avatar of frustration plotting. But they, this entire episode is basically a giant stalling action for the plot. That's why did, why did the Dai Li even come back? Do they do anything? Yeah. yeah, they come back to literally stall the plot. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, the, yeah. Wow. They, they I, show up I to that. help Azula stall the plot. From They're Mubu's her backup story. singers. Yeah, they come back, and they again, they are exactly as powerful as needed to be to keep anyone from doing it. Well, okay, now, to be fair, they were handled pretty, pretty quickly. Like, Aang and Toph took them out relatively quickly, and then it was all Azula's like super psycho uh, 
parkour skills. <laughs> but it wasn't the whole time. I mean, they, they came back in the middle of that fight to help Azola get through that hole. Like, they came back. They were there. They got beaten, and then Azola parkoured for a while. And then there was that hole that um, Zo- that uh, Sokka was trying to climb through. Right. And then once again, they helped her jump through that. And then they kind of went away at that point. But it was pretty much like, all right, we don't know how to keep this plot going, so maybe to Dai Li? <laughs> See, I just... I have a different read on it than that, but all right, go ahead. No, no, but I mean, so my big, so I think there's a lot of really good things in this, which mostly center on Zuko, but there are a lot of really interesting things happening in this episode, and I like the idea of this invasion having been foiled by what should have been an obvious intelligence breach after the Earth Kingdom fell, but no one thought about the fact that their intelligence might have been compromised after the entire kingdom where they ran around saying that they were going to do this fell. All right, whatever. Um, but there's some, some cool stuff happening, and I like what that is. Like, I like the idea of Aang being very, like, I cannot fail again because I already failed once. Like, I like his his determination. I like there are some amazingly interesting battle strategy things happening yes. going on here, which I really like. It's an enjoyable episode to watch. I like the flow of it. But it is also entirely based on nothing moving forward that is not zuko does anything does anything with any character materially change that isn't zuko in this episode and i mean that sincerely because i can't think of anything but maybe i'm missing something i like that it i i get what you're saying i guess it is technically like a narrative stall but in in theory i like the fact that they head into this giant invasion that, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to go well because we still have like, you know, 10 or 11 episodes left in the season. We're only halfway through the season, but they go into this major invasion that they hope will surely lead to victory. And it instead, it's a it's a crushing defeat. And I think what it does is it takes all of their allies pretty much off the board. Um, and now it's 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 just them, and they have to to regroup. But I mean, you're right. I, I, besides Zuko, I don't think anything else actually moves forward. I, I mean, it's it's emotional movement. Like I, I guess it's not necessarily plot movement. It it's worth mentioning, I think, that when this air like coming to it after the fact, after the series is completed and like looking at the list of episodes and realizing, Oh, we're only halfway through the season. It's pretty easy to, to guess, well, they have the big invasion in the middle of the season. Obviously nothing's, <laughs> nothing's going to come of that. But as this was airing and again, not to give the, sh- the show a pass, but it was Nickelodeon. So it's aimed at a primarily younger audience. This probably felt at the time as you're watching it originally air like holy crap this is it this is the big fight that everything's been leading to i appreciate the fact that the big fight that we've we've been building towards they get their ass hand asses handed to them um i mean i love the fact that they they do basically everything right um like the invasion would have succeeded if not for the intelligence error that they made back in uh chapter two or in in book two um and wait, what was the intelligence error that uh, I don't remember? Was it Sokka? Who was it that that said aloud um, to Azula before they knew that it was Azula? Who was it that said? Oh, right, right, right. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's an eclipse. We, yeah, they mentioned basically at some point in the obnoxious ending to the Earth Kingdom plotline, 
someone basically gives away to Azula that there's an invasion coming, and I can't remember That's who it is. Okay. Actually, it might have been the Earth King because he was a uh, stone cold moron. I think but... I think you're right. I think you're right. And and like she noted it, she was like, "Really? That's very interesting." And that was the last we heard of that. So I forgot all about that. See, there you go. So I'm sure a lot of viewers probably for. I mean, I mean, you were meant to forget. You were meant to get to this point, and then like as he's getting into the palace, you're, the hopefully the viewers are like, "Why is nobody here? Oh my god, they must have known they were coming. How could they have known they were coming?" Oh, yeah, because and, 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 you know, Paul, you make a good point. And this kind of gets back to why I'm very, like, mixed on this episode, because while I feel like the plotting is very much about frustration because nothing really moves forward, I also love that they seeded that this is going to fail back in the season finale of season two. Yeah. Most shows would seed this in like there would have been a flashback somewhere in the middle of this episode right. that would have been like, oh, yeah, well, the fire, the Earth King told me. You know what I mean? Like, we would have gotten some kind of, like, flashback to justify this then. There is nothing yeah. except the fact that we knew this in season two, which I will say is pretty awesome. They, they is, didn't, they didn't even stuff. use it. They didn't even use it in the previously on Avatar, which is yeah. pretty amazing. No, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They did not tip their hand at all. And, the, and what's amazing is it is an amazing hand tipping. It is so obvious in the actual episode that what's going on right i mean paul you remember this with me so there's nothing subtle about that scene where she realizes what's going on oh yeah yeah no not at all uh but i think the reason why a a lot of viewers including arlo forgot about it is that it was never mentioned again after that so i get it's it's easy to assume especially if you were watching it as it aired there's so much time that passes between these episodes it's easy to either assume that well that's not going anywhere they're they're never going to do anything with that or just forget that it even happened because it's never mentioned again so can i give you what is maybe the most encapsulating thing of the failure and success of this episode sure because there and i and i don't make make that success comment lightly i actually really mean that but the thing that is missing the reason this episode to me feels like frustration plotting and when i say that nothing moves forward is that this episode was the prime moment for Aang to have a conversation with Sozin, right? Like, and don't get into what actually happens in the episode for a second. I just want to talk about that for a moment. This was an opportunity for Aang and Sozin to meet and maybe even converse in some meaningful way. Yeah? Yeah, sure. We could have had something interesting out of that, like different worldviews, especially given the Avatar and the Firebender episode where we got into those different worldviews. There was some there was some uh, ore to mine in that. Sure. So on the di- the downside is we went through this entire two part episode and Ang and Sozin have still not met. I'm sorry, Ang and God, I always get these fucking names. They're the same name. That's right, Ozai. Ozai. Yeah, Ang yeah. and Ozai have still not met. On the other hand, the reason that they didn't meet is because we had this unbelievably incredible confrontation. Yes. Between Zuko and Ozai. Yes. So. And this is, I think, why I say when this is my encapsulation of why I am both frustrated and like these episodes is that we missed an opportunity that would have been very fruitful, which was Aang and Ozai actually confronting each other on some kind of meaningful level. But we didn't get it because we had this amazing character moment for Zuko. And we're back to season two where Zuko is stealing the series from Aang. Well, let's let's unpack that a little bit then and and see... Um, so we've talked in the past about the, how, like the title character, the, the lead character in many television shows 
often is the least interesting. Like I personally feel that way about Buffy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Arlo does not feel that way. Eric, I'm not sure, but uh, typically, typically the 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 title character of a series is not the most interesting. It's usually uh, the characters around them, their friends or even their enemies tend to be the I, ones that people remember. Real quick, just to butt in, I, I, I do love Buffy herself, but the supporting cast outshines her. Okay. Um, s- but I can't let you air a, a raw, <laughs> incorrect opinion about Buffy. I'm so I'll sorry. Think. I'm so sorry. There's okay. a spinoff podcast all about that coming. Um, yes, so, you know, sometimes that stands out to me. Sometimes I'm aware, I'm consciously aware of the fact that, you know, main character, I don't particularly care. I'm not that interested in this character. Sometimes it even annoys me that the title character, the main character of the show is not the most interesting. I've never had that problem with, with Avatar. I recognize, and I feel like we've talked about the fact that Aang is not necessarily the most interesting character on the show, but it has never, like as I'm watching the show, that never really stands out to me. It certainly doesn't bother me. I, I like Aang enough that it, I haven't really consciously processed that. Um, so let's let's think about why it was more important for Zuko to have that moment than Aang. What do we what does that say? What do we learn from that? What does that tell us about the the purpose of this series? I think that shows us that Zuko is, is the, 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 the secret main character of the show. <laughs> well, he kind of has been all along. He, you're like... right. He, he kind of has been. Um, but I think I think the problem there, and that, that is all that stuff with, with Zuko and Ozai is great. But Brought it tears is, to my eyes. It is really weird, <clears throat> excuse me, that we are halfway through the final season of this show and the hero and the villain have not even met. Like well, it's just yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that 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 is kind of weird. But at the same time, like, would there have been a way? I I doubt it. I I don't think there would have been a way for them to to pull off both happening in the same episode. Like no. both Aang meeting Ozai and Zuko, yeah, yeah. not his father. Not easily. I mean, could I pause it for just a second? that uh, Ozai is the MacGuffin of the series. That's fair. I I mean, I agree, actually, that we have villains. We have major villains in the series, and Azula being the best of them, because once again, she fucks with everyone and gets away with it. But Hey, why didn't Azula... Is there a reason that Azula just didn't kill all of them, like, right then? I, I think because there were all of them there, and I think that Azula knows she could not have taken every single one of them mm, possibly you, you mean you mean when firebending i guess firebending's back when firebending came back and it was my because that we... they, they all seemed like harried and like at a loss like i feel like she could have she she had a chance well um i mean i could imagine a couple of reasons for one she was there she deliberately like it was part of the plan i think for her I mean, there's no think about it. It was part of the plan for her to stall them until the eclipse was over so that Ozai's firebending would be back. And then she told them where to find Ozai. So she wanted them to go face Ozai because Ozai wanted them to come face him um, because none of them think for a second that that Aang stands a chance against Fire Lord Ozai. Um, 
once the eclipse is over. So it was part of the plan to stall them until Ozai could defend himself and then to send them after Ozai. You could also, I mean, we could speculate that um, she's she's much more, uh, I mean, she's manipulative. She wants everybody, she wants to be Fire Lord. Like, who, uh, does she actually love her father? Oh, no, she's a, she's a sociopath. She, if Aang... She wins either way. Right. If Aang goes down to... You're right. That's actually a really good point, Paul. Because if Aang goes down to that room, it doesn't really matter what happens. Yeah. She wins either way. If Aang wins, then she kills Aang. Right. On the day on the day of Sozin's Comet, she kills Aang. And if Aang wins, well, the Avatar's dead and Zuko is now cast out. Right. Because that's how smart Azul is. And that is why Azul <laughs> is the best bat. Best film of the series. Did you say the best bad? Yeah, she's the best bad. She's the best bad. All right. She's the best bad. I, I've, I, I will, I will tell you, in this rewatch and in the in discussing her with both of you, particularly you, Eric, I've, I now appreciate Azula much more than I did before. That actually legitimately warms my heart. <laughs> that, I mean, really, with with blue fire. Yes, yes, my heart burns blue for okay. you. Okay, good. Um, uh, well, did that? I mean, did that answer any of your questions, Arlo? Um, yeah. No, I, th- I think I think you're I think you're right. Okay. Um, there's a ton to talk about in these in these chapters. I don't. I mean. Well, let's let's talk about the the big Zuko moment then. We we kind of talked around it. Well, can we uh, can we talk about the invasion first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because the invasion's what the show has been building up to, and it happens, and I, I loved the way it went down. I love the I like fact the, that. Uh, go, go ahead. I like the Earth caterpillars. Yes, the caterpillar tanks, um, and the and the submarines. I love love the fact that it was a naval siege that led to a land invasion. Um, I just love any opportunity to see. The, the various benders like using their talents in unison with other benders. So, and I love that it was water bending that allowed them to to pilot the ships mm-hmm. and and uh, shoot torpedoes because they were coated in ice. Because it, it almost it it almost seemed when if you know we first see the ships descend from the larger ship and Oppa's in a suit, I was like that that's a little too easy. Like it's a little too. Like it's typical cartoon logically, even if you have the 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 mechanist as the one who built all of it, that just seems a little too convenient. But then they really saved that for me with the the, the involvement of water bending. It didn't seem quite as far fetched, right? Which is why they needed the swamp benders. Just putting that out there. I know, I know, they served a purpose. <laughs> um, and and again, once again, it allows Sokka to be you know the the strategist because he came up with a. Well, they were amateur designs, but he came up with the designs for the the tanks and the submarines, and he's kind of the one that has planned the invasion. And then when his father uh, gets injured, he takes charge of the invasion. It was, again, an opportunity for Sokka to just step up and prove himself, and I love any time that that happens. That's actually a really fair point, um, Paul, that I was saying that there was no character development that made a difference besides Zuko, and Sokka does get something here actually it's a couple of points he gets both the point where he is the smart person he takes over the invasion and then he gets completely punked by azula 
at the end. Right. And in a really in a believable way. way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good it's a good moment for for Sokka. And you know, a, he's like a, the reasonable one. He knows what she's trying to do. I actually really like that because he knows what what Azula is doing. He more than anyone else, he keys into the fact that she's making a strategic play. He calls it, but then he gets outwitted too. And it was it's the first time that we've seen her almost put off balance. Like she she was easily manipulating Aang and Toph. Um, in fact, I love the fa- the way that she proved to Toph that she can lie. And Toph was like, okay, you're good. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'll admit it. Um, but she was easily manipulating them. And Sokka is the one that figured it out. And, and, you know, she actually has to sort of, she has to make an effort to then bait Sokka. Now she pulls it off uh, in a really chilling way. Her whole speech about, I used to have a prisoner that talked about you. You know, that was really cold. It was really hardcore. Um, But it was just interesting that Sokka of the entire group is the one that for just a second actually makes her have to work a little bit. Yeah, she, it's, it's a solid, it's a solid moment. It's a solid moment. And I, I want to, I'll just withdraw the no one but Zuko thing. (laughs) Okay. Well, Sokka Um, even has that moment earlier on where he's worried like what his, you know, because he blows the presentation. Mm Mm-hmm. At the beginning, which is really funny, funny, like he tries to restart in the middle. He's like, "Now let me start from the beginning," and he literally starts describing the pilot of the show. Yes. Um, that, that is amazing. Yeah, that was pretty great. And, and you know, so then he's all conflicted. You know, the, like the invasion plan is my moment of truth, and I completely flubbed it. And Aang, you know, tells him that you know you, your moment of truth isn't going to be in front of some map; it's going to be out there on the battlefield. And sure enough, when Hakoda uh, goes down temporarily, Sok is the one who takes charge. Yeah. Um, and our our guys got new designs too. Our heroes get get some new looks. The um, they, go, they go back mostly to their old looks, right? I yeah, mean, but it, but it's updated looks. versions of them. So yeah, they the you know uh, Katara and Sokka both go back to Water Tribe looks, but it's uh, it's not the same costumes they used to wear. Um, in Angus fact, is, is exactly the same though, isn't it? No, no, it's uh, Angus different. Yeah, he he's never had. Uh, the closest thing that we've seen to his um, Shaolin monk robe that he's wearing there, I think someone on Twitter maybe will correct me on this, but um, is in the, like the opening sequence, uh, the whole, you know, he has a long way to go before he has a lot to learn before he's, he can save anybody, but I believe Aang can save the world. That shot as the camera pulls back of him standing on the rock, looking over the Valley. That's the closest I think we've ever seen to this outfit that he's wearing now unless he's worn it in flashbacks when he's been at the various air temples i'm not sure hmm. All right. i didn't notice that because to me i was with erica to me it just looked like his original yeah, I don't, outfit I don't. and i realized that i had grown to uh love ang with hair <laughs> i wondered i wondered about that when he shaved it off if you were gonna... I, I did like i did like ang with hair I won't lie. I actually really like the Fire Nation character designs of everyone pretty well. So did I. So did I. I mean, they're pretty great. I, 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 I miss them. I mourn them. I didn't realize they went away this soon. The, um, the, the looks that everybody gets. Hang on. Where was my note? Um, oh yeah, the the Appa armor design and the uh, Water Tribe armor. Those designs came from unused toy idea submissions, like the 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 marketing department 
asked for sketches for possible like action figures or whatever and those were some of the designs that were submitted but they never got used so they wrote them into the show like the armor look you mean yeah interesting um anyways i like how ang's power moment when he shaves his head and gets his new his new look and, and his uh new and improved glider with the the, the snack, snack dispenser, the snack he, dispenser. Well, I want to know. Let's 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 talk about this for a second. Okay. Is was it really in character for Ang to not immediately see the value in the snack dispenser? <laughs> well, I mean, he pretty quickly he did. But yeah, he was he's trying to be all serious. Like this is his moment. He's trying. Was he like? It was like I'm in a Zack Snyder movie now. I don't have time for snack dispenser. <laughs> wow. That's exactly how I took that moment, Eric. Wow. I was just having some sort of Randian conundrum. How dare you? <laughs> Anyways, I, it's taken me a long time, and by a long time, I mean multiple viewings of the show, to to truly warm up to the new and improved glider. Like, Arlo, you were talking about how the, like, the submarine designs, until it was revealed that they were, like, w- powered by waterbenders, it was, it was almost, you know, a step too far. Yeah. Um, I've I've felt that way about Aang's new and improved glider, even though the new glider is nowhere near as as like sci-fi or whatever as some of the other stuff that we get, the tanks and the subs and all that kind of stuff. Still, going from and and I realize the glider that he had all through the show was his hundred-year-old glider, but still the new design. I don't know it. I, I even now I still struggle with it. I still prefer his original glider to this. But it, but it does like dump chestnuts in his mouth, <laughs> which I don't think ever comes back. I'm not. I don't think the stupid snack dispenser thing <laughs> ever plays again. I'm. I could be wrong about that, but I don't know. I, I suspect what happens is this show. Uh, I mean, we've commented that they go to dark places. These chapters go to some dark places. I mean, we get prisoners of war <laughs> in this, but uh, I, I suspect they they need to have opportunities to insert, you know, some lighthearted stuff, some comedy, um, just based on, you know, the network that produced the show and the audience that they were trying to aim for. So that's probably why we ended up with the snack dispenser. I'm not a huge fan. Of, I'm I not a proof of the snack dispenser. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you think of the new glider? I, you know, honestly, I didn't really have any thoughts on it. Like it didn't really occur to me like as, I understand it's a new glider, but I didn't. I, I'm sorry, I didn't really have any thoughts on it. Man, you're just. I know. I know. Dude, what kind of nerd fail is this? You Dis- didn't have any like gripe. I mean, they changed the color of the, of the exactly, plot. exactly. Disrespecting the memory of Ang's glider. <laughs> God. All right. The worst. Okay, so, can we dump all this bullshit Ang stuff and talk about Zuko? <laughs> all right, fine. We'll get to Zuko. AJ, how did you feel about the Zuko stuff? Tell me. Get into the get into the Zuko stuff with me. The Zuko stuff was great. The the Zuko stuff was fantastic. Um, I you know obviously this this encounter has been building for a long time, and just like the invasion, like we've been expecting this to happen for a long time, and it to me it was much more satisfying than the invasion. I, and I didn't find the invasion unsatisfying. I just think, you know, on a, on a character level, on an emotional level, the Zuko stuff ruled uh, the episode. Um, and I got legit chills when he said, I'm going to join the Avatar, and I'm going to help him defeat you. Yes. That was an and amazing... 
moment. Can I? Can I? Just I need to say that my it was the it was something about like have you been listening to your uncle or did you get that from your uncle or did your uncle get to you? What was the your, line? Did you want to write that down? Uh, your uh, yeah, your uncle has gotten to you, hasn't he? Yeah, I've got yes. the in, I've got the entire yes. encounter copied down here. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, when he was like, "Did your uncle get to you?" and his like, "There's a pause," and then yes, that was my that was my moment. Very yeah. similar to what the Avatar yeah. thing. That was I was yeah. like because I knew that he had. And I, I couldn't remember what the what the response to go was going to have was, and when he had that, I had I, I got a little charge. And and then that. when uh, when Ozias like, well, you know, then why don't you just take me out right here or right right this second? And Zuko says, "Because I know my own destiny. Taking you down is the Avatar's destiny." Oh, and that is so such a great moment for a character who has never been able to accept his destiny or to have any clear idea of who he is or what he should be. That was a phenomenal moment. So AJ, I want to I want sorry Arlo, I want to ask you this because Paul and I have already reacted to this one. So I'm actually really curious about your reaction to this, given the end of season two, the heartbreaking betrayal that Zuko yeah. gave. How did this ring to you? How did you feel about this moment? I mean, I know that the series has been has been saying this moment has been coming in some way, shape, or form. But how did this how did this feel to you after where he'd been? It felt very genuine because, in a way, I almost think it would have been too easy if if, he, if this had happened sooner. Because, of course, he was going to backslide. Like, of course, like it, it just makes sense that only after having backslid and having realized like the life that he was going to have and at what cost uh what personal cost that life was going to to come at i that was a horribly structured sentence anyway um i think it totally makes sense that now is when it would happen because he's already when he betrayed iroh he betrayed himself just as much as he did iroh and it's only now that he's realizing that and yeah i th- i think this was the exact right time for this to happen and i thought it landed completely all right, Paul. Paul, talk talk Zuko with me. Come on, man. Bring it. Bring it. I mean, I mean, what else can I say? This is one of the high points of the entire series. Um, hell, I'll say both series. This the the confrontation between Zuko and his father is one of the stand up and cheer moments. Like I, I'm not lying. I I openly cried watching this, and I've seen it several times. I knew it was coming. I knew all the beats of it, but watching it, it's yeah, I got chills. I like, you know, tears filled my eyes. It's so incredibly powerful and such a, such a bravura performance from both voice actors, actually, uh, but particularly from Dante Bosco. And, and and then after all of that, to find that Iroh yeah. was not there for him yeah. to reconnect with. Yeah. So Can we talk about the Iroh thing for a second? Mm-hmm. That to me was one of the more unsatisfying aspects of this episode. Tell, tell me more about that, Darlo. What 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 was unsatisfying about that? Well, I just felt like I was in therapy for a second. <laughs> um, tell me more about how this made you feel. Um, uh, because like I loved like like the the build up to it, you know. And Ira was like talking to Ming, who was there just so Serena Williams could have a voice part. <laughs> Like that character, like we'd never seen that character before. And I was like, I just want to let you know, you're the only reason I didn't like hang myself. He didn't say that, <laughs> but like that, that was basically how he was talking to her. And like, that was Serena Williams. Yes. And she also has That's a, awesome. Of, she's also on, on one episode of Korra. Hmm. Okay. Um, 
but we had never seen this character before, and she seems super important, and I thought she was going to like play some sort of role. But no, she never comes back. I double-checked. Um, oh, Arlo. I, I'm sorry. Like I Once I realized, like I was like, that's a voice I know. I had to look her up, and yeah, she never comes back. And then we don't even get to see what happens. We just get the aftermath of it. I don't know. That, that was not satisfying to me. Well, I'm not... I'm not going to promise that you ever that we ever get a flashback and see what happens, but I would just like to point out that um there was some negative fan reaction to the um the war room scene that we don't get to see in uh in Nightmares and Dreamscapes or Nightmares and Daydreams, excuse me. Wait, there's negative fan reaction to what? to the, the war room scene, because the whole episode is about how, you know, uh, Zuko, not the whole episode, but Zuko's upset that he finds out that there's a war meeting that's going to happen. Uh, and he wasn't invited. Oh, right. And finally he, he gets invited and it seems like a big buildup. And then we, we don't see what actually happens in the meeting. Um, I felt like that played fantastic just the way it was, but I know that there were fans that were upset. They were like, that was a lot of buildup. We didn't even get to see him in the war room. Now, like I said, in the episode, the way it played, I enjoyed it. Plus there's also the fact that, you know, with hindsight, you probably realize that war meeting was about this was about the fact that they knew that the, the eclipse was coming and that the avatar was going to attack and all that. And so they were setting up their plans for this. The show couldn't tip its hand and let us know about that. But, uh, I, I just putting it out there that it's, you know, just because we don't see the events of Iroh escaping doesn't mean we, first of all, doesn't mean we need to, doesn't mean that we don't find out later or whatever. Yeah, yeah no, I, I didn't have any problem with that, but this to me felt a little, I, I don't know. Like I, I was, I was dissatisfied with that. Were you dissatisfied because you wanted more or because you felt like something was missing? I wanted more. And I think not to harp on Serena Williams, who I have nothing against and who did a fine voice job. Um, but the, the, the weird shoehorned bit with her character, like if, if, if that was going to pay off in some way, like if we were going to see what happens, if she had like, you know, somehow wound wound up being like instrumental in helping Iroh escape, that would have been cool. But the only thing we get with Iroh in this whole episode is a weird bit that was tacked on just so they could have Serena Williams do a part. I, I don't think they did it just so Serena Williams have a part. I mean, yeah. they may I have decided like they wanted to have Serena Williams. They may have had her give it, like, maybe she expressed interest in the show and wanted to do it, but I don't think those Iroh scenes existed to give Serena Williams a part. I think that you are, you are I making think what happened shit up. Because, the, th- I mean, think about the alternative. If that... I agree. I agree with Eric. I think that that those scenes were going to happen. That they they were going to show that, and it just happened that you know Serena Williams. They were like, "Well, hey, we've got you know, you want to be on the show? Here's a voice. You can do this." Um, but if they had not shown that, if they hadn't shown uh, sort of that setup that Iroh was predicting something was about to happen, which you could watch the episode and think that he's warning her that the invasion's about to happen. She needs to get to a safe place or whatever. And then at the end you realize, Oh, he was, he was warning her because he's about to break himself out. Um, but if they hadn't shown that and, and, uh, then Zuko just goes to the prison and Iroh's not there. That would have played differently. Like we would have, 
No, I agree with you, and I agree those. I'm not. I'm not saying they literally had those Iro scenes just to have Serena Williams on the show, but it feels like she kind of hijacked that scene anyway. What I, what <laughs> no, I'm you saying. Have a very, you have a very interesting conspiracy theory. You, you have strong I, opinions on Serena Williams. I'll give you I, that. I have nothing against Serena Williams. She did a fine job. Anyway, um, I, I actually did think she did a great job. I didn't realize it was Serena Williams. I, I thought had no, I, I had no idea. I thought we were getting out. I, I knew that I should know the voice. It was very clear to me that it was a a more celebrity voice. Like that was that was clear to me, but I didn't know it was Serena Williams. I thought we were getting like a legitimate, like normal like voice actress. So I I think your comments, AJ, are out of line. <laughs> That's that's fine. That, that's fine. Um, but also, it, instead of spending half an hour on the swamp benders pointing out that uh, Hugh was swamp thing, we we could have had uh, like one more Iro scene. Yeah, we could have had one more Iro scene. Man. Although I did like, I do. Um, you know, on a plot level, I feel like we got what we needed when he said when he was very he very understood what was coming when he made it clear he understood what was coming. I feel like we got what we needed from that but um i get what you're saying it's wrong but i get what you're saying <laughs> that's all i can ask for um all right well we should uh we should talk about the lightning scene because that was fantastic oh man i totally i forgot about that I, I was talking so hard about the other stuff but god oh, that lightning scene was so good so he uh he actually tries to kill his son like just straight up after after his after Zuko tries to shame him for, you know, scarring his own son, did you think that was, is that how you discipline a child or whatever? Um, Ozai's like, oh yeah, you think that was bad? Choke on some lightning. What did you think, AJ? What did you think of the lightning scene? Did you get, did you get excited? Did it give you teak? <laughs> did, did, did it give me what? You've never seen John Carpenter's Vampires, have you? N- no. So okay, so in John Carpenter's Vampires, oh god, really? James, All of the weird James detours is like it happens at the beginning, it happens at the end. It's like a mocking scene at the beginning, and it's like a friendship scene at the end. But he's like, when I was doing, when I was kicking that, kicking your ass back there, that give you wood, huh? Mahogany, Deke. So, anyways, that's that's the quote. So, anyways, oh, that's, well, that that's great, like, Eric. Thank you. It's that, a John Carpenter movie. Go go choke on your own vomit. <laughs> I'm glad we could get that into our Avatar podcast. <laughs> I did, did not give me Deke, um, but it was it was it was a good scene. I I liked it. Um, all right, unless we want to fawn anymore, and I'm per- perfectly fine with it. But unless we want to fawn anymore over the the Zuko and Ozai scene, uh, let's get to the end of the chapter with our heroes basically running off with their tails between their legs. Um, having to abandon the majority of the the allied forces, the the the, the grown ups stay behind. Yep, the adults stay behind to to willingly become prisoners of war. I found yeah. that to be very weird. Like, let's save the children, and I, maybe made me think, why the fuck are the children here? <laughs> yeah, why were they even there if you weren't willing to risk them? But or part of me is like, the children are the only way we're going to win this. Yeah. Like they've got the Avatar. They've got Katara, who, as we've discussed before, is a god-level waterbender. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I it, that it, it did have a bit of a weird ring to it that scene, but I did like Hakoda saying, you know, we are going to surrender, 
but that means that we will all probably survive this. Yeah. I did like that sentiment. Um, I was okay with it. Uh, I mean, I agree, you know, if this had been a different, a different episode, they probably could have stood and fought, but you know, I can imagine that more than just Hakoda were injured in the battle and, you know, they're all exhausted and morally they're kind of broken because they, they felt like the, the fighters out on the ground actually felt like they were winning. And then they find out at the last minute, no, we're not winning. Actually, the eclipse is over. The, our enemies are back to full strength now and they've just destroyed our exit strategy. So, you know, I, I, I understand how it happened. And plot-wise, they needed to separate the gang away from their army again anyways. So, uh, And it gave us the great reveal. So <laughs> way back in uh, Book 1, Chapter 17, the Northern Air Temple, uh, we had that discussion about how dark the ending of that episode was because the Fire Nation got their hands on a war balloon. Yeah, I like the, I like the reveal of the war balloons. Yeah, and that, that was yeah. pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It was a interestingly late reveal of that. Again, mm-hmm. considering how long has that been? Yeah, it's been a while. Like, has that been two seasons almost? Yeah, it was. It was book one. Yeah, it's been a while, and so I, I like that. And I do like that the series occasionally drops shit in without being obvious that they were pulling from things like years ago, mm-hmm. which is rare. For the series, which is, although fairly mature for a Nickelodeon series, not exactly subtle. Right. But um, but they do occasionally, in these episodes, drop some things in. Um, and I, I feel like I'm, I may have overplayed it. I certainly overplayed it uh, when I brought this up way back when this podcast first started in book one. I'm, I made the comment that, uh, you know, there's precious little in this show that they introduce that is not for a purpose. And it was stuff like this that I was thinking of when I made that statement. Stuff like Azula finding out about the eclipse and, you know, the Fire Nation gets their hands on a war balloon at the end of one episode and two seasons later is when it comes back. Um, That's the kind of stuff I meant when early on I was like, none of this is by accident. So. And that, that that is impressive. Um. And then the final scene of of the chapter is that uh, Prince Zuko is still chasing the Avatar. But I, for good now. Right. For good. Right. But it was just a great scene with him. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah it, was, it, it, was, it was very – it was another one of those sort of Miyazaki scenes with him. It's funny because I remember being at the end of season two and being so – I mean I was more heartbroken by Zuko's betrayal than yeah. – I think I've been by I, – I have a hard time analogizing another character's betrayal to Zuko's when it comes to me having like an emotional reaction to it. I was broke. I was like really hurt by what Zuko did. So it says a lot that by the time – and I, AJ, I, I'm with you with it. When I got to this moment where I was like I believe Zuko's re-about face, when he yeah. goes after the Avatar, I entire believe, entirely believe it and it's actually – more satisfying because of the heartbreak that came before. Do, do you think that the creators of Avatar, uh, Konietzko and oh, the other name escapes me? Uh, uh, Martino. Yes. Do you think that when cons- 
sitting down to conceptualize this series, they came up with this amazing story about Prince Zuko, this, this, this dark, <laughs> complex, edgy story, and they're like, how do we sell this to Nickelodeon? <laughs> and then they, they built the Aang stuff around that. Because honestly, at times, it feels like that. This, this whole Avatar thing is just a backdoor pilot for a Zuko series? Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. It feels like Zuko is such such a more interesting character than Aang on every important level, except that Aang is needed for the plot. Yeah, and I, and I, and I love Aang, and I, I think Aang's great. But Zuko is where all of it. I can I cannot believe I didn't like Zuko at the beginning. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm doing a little so, happy dance right now. I'm so embarrassed by the mere fact I didn't like Zuko. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Z- Zuko's the star of the show. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Zuko, the the best firebender. <laughs> <laughs> Zuko, the little prince. <laughs> oh. oh. Okay. Well, that was a that was a satisfying discussion. Anything else anybody wants to add about any of this? I don't think there's anything else I could add. I, I got to be honest, I just I just I have a hard time knowing that we have like three more talks before we get to Susan's comet. Right. I'm 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 I was not jonesing to talk about Susan's comet before, but now I just want to be like, can we just do an episode that is the last like twelve episodes of the series because that's what I'm ready for. <laughs> we'll talk about this off air because I I had thoughts about this. We we need to discuss our our upcoming schedule. So I I don't think there's another schedule other than what we have. So I think I think we are where we are. Right. But I just I want I'm I'm ready to to binge the hell out of the rest of Avatar. Right? When when Harlow said we've got uh, what like ten or eleven more chapters to go, I, my first thought was no, we don't. And then I looked and we have ten. There's ten more chapters to go. That uh, blows my mind. So. I, I'm not yeah. going to count Sozin's Comet as four chapters, though. Right. Sozin's Comet is a movie we, of awesome. We, we have six chapters before we get to the grand finale, yeah. And well, one I, of them is uh, a two-parter, so five chapters. And no. actually, I think that's a pretty good two-parter. We'll see. I the this This day of Black Sun is when the series starts getting real because things – like we were in this holding pattern a little bit of knowing knowing the Avatar was still around. Mm-hmm. So this breaks us back into the main plot in a lot of ways. But I do remember being frustrated by things, although I don't remember the Dai Li coming back, which it, which like really crystallized my abject frustration with that part of the plot. But I actually remember thinking really good things about the Boiling Rock. We're two weeks away from that, so we'll we'll see when we get there. But I remember really liking the Boiling Rock as a two-parter. But regardless, I, I, we are I, so close to Susan's Comet. I honestly, I honestly can't even remember what – oh, oh, never mind. Yeah, I, I remember what it is. It is a two. It is a good two-parter. There's one. There's one. I'm excited for next week. Reason why it's amazing to me, but all right. Well, now that we've uh, <laughs> we've spoiled our expectations for the rest of the series, oh, we're so close to the end. I'm sorry. I've been really good about not doing this, but we're so close to the end. I, I, it's if this was if this was a Netflix series and we were just watching, we would be we would be staying up all night watching yes. the rest of the show at this point. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. It, uh, this is one of the few times, like I think you guys have talked about it a couple times. This is one of the f- few times since we've done all this that I actually wanted to just keep watching today. Like when I, when I finished the three chapters we were talking about, I was like, I'll just keep going. What the hell? Which for the record 
Eric and I are allowed to do, Arlo, you are not. I know. Okay. I know. And I, actually, I'm not allowed either. Because if I do, I'll have perspective that I don't want to have. Oh. Part of my role on this show is forgetting shit that's coming. <laughs> so. All right. Well, you seem to have a pretty good memory for at least one of the episodes that's coming up. One. One of them, because it's that's it. That's about <laughs> all I've got. Okay. So on that note, um, thank you, everybody at home, for joining us. As always, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes on our website. That's theavatarreturns.com. Links will also be posted on the parent show's site, gobbledygeekpodcast.com. That was a mouthful. Um, or you could just subscribe to the show on iTunes, and every episode will be hand-delivered to you personally by our flying email lemur. And feed the lemur by dropping us an email at tarpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always find us on social media. Like us on Facebook for all of our updates, or follow us on Twitter. The show is twitter.com slash tarpodcast. And on Twitter, I am at haunt1013. Eric is at salon, that's S-A-A-L-O-N. And Arlo J. Wiley is at Unplugged Crazy. Um, so right. next, next week, um, we take Actually, another a couple weeks. Yes. We take another little break to catch our breath after all of this excitement. Uh, but the week after that, we dive right back in for what I hope will be an uninterrupted run to the finale. Um, the avatar returns episode 18 eases us back in with chapters 312 and 313, the Western air temple and the firebending masters. You hear that Eric? Only two episodes ne- next time. I'll screw it up, whatever. Two. (laughs) Just two. Uh, Until then, remember, pants are an illusion, and so is death. Yeah.